The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. It's so cool and awesome to be here today. Today, I have a guest that I'm really excited about. She's a lady that uh, I was on a panel with I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, and just loved her energy. And she's also a mutual friend of Mark Youngblood. He's a two-timer on the podcast. So just so, so, so excited to have her here. LaRue Appler, LaRue, welcome. Well, thank you, Victoria. I'm honored to be here and excited to see what we're going to do together today. I'm excited too. And LaRue, because I forgot to introduce you properly, is a transformation coach, speaker, and teacher. And you work with, you were telling me before we hit record with uh, applied kinesiology. That's it. Yes. Beautiful. Can you tell listeners just a little encapsulation about you and what you do? And then we'll, we'll launch into all the Q&A. Yeah. Well, I've been doing transformational coaching. Um, I didn't use the word coaching for, for many, many years. Probably shouldn't use it now because it's really a little different <laughs> than coaching. But I always used to call myself a personal growth facilitator. And now I would say a soul growth facilitator. But I've worked one-on-one for almost 33 years now, full-time, and came to this work because I was suicidal and my life needed a makeover and had a spiritual experience that um, put me on this path. And um, I knew I was to help other people because if if I could heal and change, I knew others certainly could because I was really messed up. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. I use um, applied kinesiology. I call it truth testing because what we're really looking for is what's really going on. What's the real truth with an individual? What is their higher truth? And what is true. Uh, What beliefs are they holding? Let's find out what they really believe. Pinpoint those that they've not been able to pinpoint on their own, transform them and free them so they can move forward in their lives. Love it. Tell me a little bit about, I'm actually, my brain is going in two different directions. So I'm going to tune in because I know we're going to get to everything today. All right. I'm going with the first impulse and I want to get back to your story too. Do you think, because I think that it's pretty common with people that find themselves drawn to the healing arts and and I think to spiritual awakening in general, to have a crisis, to have some sort of their own healing crisis that is then their motivation for being of service to others. Do you agree with that? Do you think that kind of fits into your own story? Yes. As, as a matter of fact, Victoria, I mean, over the years, you know, I've worked with thousands of people now. I've seen, you know, when people come to me and they're in that kind of crisis mode like I was in, I think that's the purpose of crisis is to break off the old, to open us up to something new, something more, something higher for ourselves. And I see exactly what you're talking about on a regular basis and have for 33 years. Yeah. And when when people can get that, like, oh, this isn't happening, this horrible thing isn't happening to destroy me, it's happening to free me, that's a life-changing moment for them when they get that. It can be so empowering and to understand that. And we had a guest on the show not so long ago, Robert Schwartz, who talks a lot about uh, soul life planning 
And the idea that your soul sometimes plans some of these crises or the potentiality for different crises, but even before you come into your body, because your soul knows that that's going to be the fastest way for you to learn stuff. It has to get our attention, doesn't it? When things are going well, we don't want to just give that up. But when things are not going well, that's what gets our attention, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then it can be so empowering when we have these kind of situations. And rather than feeling like life is happening to us, and rather than feeling like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Or what's wrong with me? We start to understand, no, this is what's right with you. And this is life showing you a new way. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. You know, sometimes I think though, this is getting me off on a little tangent, but sometimes I think, and I and I want listeners to know this too, you don't have to learn by crises. And I really do feel like, and as someone who just went through a thing, I still I still stand behind this. You don't have to learn by crises. And I what I hear again and again from my guides is we're moving into a, a new phase of humanity where crisis will not be the primary mode of growth. So it's what's happening up until now. But I think some of us, especially some old soul types, you know, can get a little addicted to this idea that life has got to be hard and that we earn brownie points for life being hard. And I want to say to those of you that might have that little program running, it doesn't have to be hard. It's more a matter of when you find yourself in a tricky situation to feel empowered through it. Absolutely. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I do believe that we can learn with joy. And for me, it took the crisis to wake me up to have awareness enough to know that, oh, I don't have to do this the hard way anymore. Right. Well, and and not that anymore. I still have, like you, I've been through a, a challenging time in the last year as well. And, but it was, it was really a wake up to the very thing that you're talking about. Like it really doesn't have to be hard. And I could see where I'd had opportunities to learn it without the pain and didn't choose it. Wow. That is so powerful, Aru. I'm going to think on that. Yeah. And it's true. And again, it speaks to your level of awareness that you even going through that can say, oh, wow, you know, there was the exit over there, but I, I stayed on the highway just a little bit longer. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's those moments too, when we see that those are the gold, those are the learning moments. They are. They're the lessons, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this lesson, I took it in a whole hard <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I would also say to those of you listening, if somebody tells you, if they're a teacher or a helper or a healer and they tell you that they have transcended life, you know, <laughs> don't believe them because even the most, you know, evolved awakened souls, you know, they're still in human bodies and they're still experiencing stuff. And it's more a matter, my guides say, of the awareness and light that we bring to our experiences. And there's no wrong or right place to be with respect to this. Wherever you are right now is exactly where you are meant to be. And that's probably the biggest lesson and information that you know we can impart to you, that you are perfect, whole, and well, exactly where and as you are now. Yes. Yeah. But even, you know, people that are, I don't know, the Eckhart Tolle's of the world or whoever you are, or Buddha, you know, they're, they're still, they're still in bodies and they're still experiencing life. And so it's important to know anyone who tells you that they are completely there and awakened, you know, be skeptical, be skeptical because that's probably their ego telling them a story that is separating them from life. Absolutely. You know, I used to promote Byron Katie here in Dallas. I had a healing center and this was before she was famous. And I'm sure you know who Byron Katie is. And uh, probably a lot of your listeners do. And people would say, you know, are, are you enlightened? And she would say, enlightened I am, enlightened I'm not, enlightened I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love that because, you know, I have my moments of enlightenment, but I have a whole lot that are hard, right, right? Right. And what Barry and Katie offers are tools for staying in the light, mm-hmm. right? And finding your way back to the light. And that's all we're ever being asked to do, you know, to the best of our ability, to the highest vibration that we are capable of connecting with in this moment of time. And it's not about having to maintain a certain level of whatever, that's a human idea that, you know, I have to be this or I have to be that. It's simply about showing up with the highest level of awareness that we're capable in the moment and then just keep coming home as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I wrote my book back in 2007, I put a whole lot of stories in there that clients didn't know about me, you know, and 
because I, you know, I didn't always share a lot back in the day. I share a lot now because I've, I've found I'd rather be with someone who shares. And I know they're like, just like you're talking about, they're learning, they're growing, yeah. right? I really respect that authenticity that they don't have to try to be perfect or put on that, that persona. And so I shared stories I'd never shared before. And there was this client that had been my client for a long time. And after she read my book, she came in one day and told me all that money she had not made in real estate. She made it as a dancer. And I thought it was hilarious, but she didn't know until she saw how imperfect I was by reading my book that it was okay to be human. And, and that was a moment for me. I thought I have got to, in my daily life, just share more of me more of my challenges, because that's what helps people the most is to know we're human. Yeah. And there's actually really good research in the psychological literature and in mental health therapy. There's a group of researchers that wanted to know what are the common factors? We know psychotherapy, for example, works. Mm -hmm. There's tons of evidence for that, but there's so many different approaches and one has never been shown to be better than others overall. And so they were looking for what are the common factors? And one of the common factors and one of the things that they showed was that, you know, a lot of times what therapists think is like the pivotal moment in the therapy is not at all what the client's takeaway is. And what the client or patient's takeaway moments often are, are those times when the therapist shows vulnerability, when the therapist shares, hey, I'm on this journey with you. And those disclosures, which a lot of therapists are taught never to do, there are certain types of therapy that says this isn't your, your therapy, like don't share about yourself. And yet what people remember and find the most moving, and I can think about this from my own experience, and I can think about this from what my clients say to me, those moments when you share your stories, people say, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I get it. Oh, I can relate to that. So I think it's so important. Exactly. Oh, I love that you shared that. I was just talking with a client recently and I and I said, you know, I've had that same issue. And she said, really? I'm not the only one. I said, no, there are millions of people with this issue. We're just all too afraid to say it. So I really hear what you're saying and believe that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes people, I remember a long time ago, I was given a a workshop or a book group or something like that. And someone came up to me afterwards and they're like, you know, you sound like you're insecure. (laughs) And at this point in time, I was like, yeah, well, I I am. (laughs) You know, I am a little bit insecure and, you know, her jaw dropped and it was, look, it was a good pointer because when we feel insecure and we put that out there, it's not a comfortable energy for other people. And so, you know, definitely a call to action to really work on the confidence because I know that the more confident I am in in myself and my work, not from an egoic perspective, but from an aligned perspective, it's just a, it's a much more beautiful energy for my guidance to work through me. Absolutely. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, you called it, you know, (laughs) like I'm not going to pretend. I think we just have to be kind to who we are, right? And where we're showing up. And and that's how these things transform. Like if we judge ourselves or judging ourselves, that is another layer of judgment. That is exactly right. And just holds us back that much further, doesn't it? I love that you were willing to go and share and be vulnerable and, you know, insecure. And because you know what I love about that? Well, there's there's a lot. But the one thing that sticks out in my mind is one of the things I'm seeing, and I'll be curious if you've seen this too, Victoria, in your work, is it seems like that there's this unspoken ideal we have in our minds of, of, you know, when I, I'll reach enlightenment and life will be perfect forever, or I've got to be perfect to be enlightened. And, and I think that when you're real, like you were, and you let your, your insecurity show, that's what's real. And, and I think we need to let go and burst that paradigm of going for perfection. Because I've seen it a lot of, oh, enlightenment means there's no more pain and suffering. No, it's just that we have more awareness to know how to navigate it and be with that stuff when it occurs. Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully put. I sometimes call it spiritual perfectionism, right? Where there's this idea that there's like one place I'm going and I have to achieve it. Yes. And, you know, the only place that you are is now, right? Is here and now. That's it. It's beautiful. All right. So let's talk nuts and bolts because you mentioned before that you do this thing, this truth testing Mm -hmm. to help people. What is that? We've had some guests on the show and we've talked a little bit about muscle testing and that kind of thing. But tell me what, what that looks like for you and maybe what working with you would look like. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm working with a new client for the first time, I want them to be able to connect that there is an intelligence, a wisdom, an energy inside them that is beyond the intellect, right? Our intellect is only as good as is our life experience and everything we've learned, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's what we've collected in this lifetime. But then there is infinite intelligence. You could even call it intuition, but there is a presence within them. I say to them, did you know that in the last 60 minutes, your heart has beat 4,000 times? And then I ask them, how many times did you have to tell your heart to beat? And they kind of look at me kind of surprised. And I say, you know, that's 97,000 times in a day and 35 million times in a year and multiply that times your age. And that's, you know, how many millions and billions of times? And I said, that intelligence is always present. And when you look in the mirror in the morning, if you look and make eye contact, there is a presence looking through those eyeballs, right? And I said, when I'm doing what I call truth testing, accessing that intelligence, using, I I work by Zoom, I used to do in person, but now I have clients all over the world. And I found that that intelligence is everywhere. It isn't localized. It is throughout the entire universe. And that I use my body as a feedback device to get yeses and nos and and movements on what's true for the client. So let's say someone comes to me and they are um, struggling with, let's say, self-esteem. So what I can do is talk to that infinite intelligence. I like to call it soul. Different people call it different things, right? Yep. And their soul will tell me through my diagnostic system, I have thousands of diagnostics. It's all numbered and categorized, and I can get that information in a matter of seconds, really. And then I will look it up and I will tell them what their soul is is telling them. And and oftentimes they're shocked. Sometimes we have to put two or three bits of that data together to paint a picture of what was going on. But this woman came to me once from New York and she was in a really depressed state. And it took me to a book and it took me to an acronym. It was so strange. And I said, well, there's an acronym here and it spells Luella. And she just started sobbing. And I said, what's going on? And she said, that was my grandmother's name. She was the only person in the world I ever felt loved me. And her grandmother had died. And her grandmother was the only person who supported her feeling good about herself. Because here we are working on self-esteem, huh? And here I'm intrigued. I have thousands of bits of data. I didn't even know that was in a book on my shelf. And her soul, through my truth testing, took me to the right book, the right page, the right paragraph, the right phrase that was open the door to what we needed to do to help her. So it's like Google, except that we're Googling (laughs) your own soul, your own databanks of your own unconscious mind in your soul. And then once we find the real root cause of any given issue, then the client's soul is going to tell me again through the truth testing how we're going to transform that block, that belief, that painful memory, that stuck emotion to free them. And I've got about 70 something different ways to do that. And then sometimes intuition kicks in and I will use something that comes and flashes in out of the blue because that's what we're supposed to do, you know? And so that's, does that answer your question? That answers the question beautifully and raises about 50 more, um, (laughs) which is good. All good. Yeah. But you know what I'm thinking when I hear you talk, and I think this is so powerful for listeners is that you know you're you're using this truth testing to access your intuition and to access your client's intuition or their higher guidance or their soul and all of those words work equally for me I'm, I don't get hung up on word distinctions so you all can pick yours as well um, but I think it's so beautiful because oftentimes we think about intuition you know as a voice in our head or a vision or a flash and it seems like you get those too. Mm-hmm. But it works in so many ways. And it really is about finding your system and yeah. finding the system. If you're going to work with someone else, you find the system that you know resonates with you in terms of the practitioner too. Right. And I always think of the story of a friend of mine who took my classes for years and, and pretty much everybody else that's ever taught 
like anyone who's really famous in teaching intuition, she was their student before they got famous. I mean, she's been doing this forever. And she would come to my classes and she'd be like, I'm so frustrated, Victoria, because I just don't hear my intuition. I've been doing this so long. And she is a brilliant... Now she, she did EFT. Now she does hypnosis and body code, emotion code. I mean, she's a brilliant practitioner and I've worked with her. And when you work with her, you can see that you know it just comes out of her mouth what she tells you what you know the the catchphrase when you're doing EFT you know you say like mm-hmm. even though i feel like this i still love and and like she guides you and it's totally her intuition it's totally coming out of her mouth and she's also a brilliant she has a beautiful newsletter and you know her writing is so creative and so inspired and i said to her you know robin that is how your intuition is speaking to you. And you know, now she says, oh my God, now that you said that, now that I know, now that I trust it, right? I can flow with it even more. And so it's whatever modality speaks to you, whether it be divination cards or muscle testing, or just like me, I just hear stuff and I just know stuff, but yeah. you know, it, it doesn't have to be one way. It's really what works for you. So I think you illustrate that so beautifully. I, I agree. You know, I have a really good friend and, and I hear an inner voice. I, I get it in many different channels, right? But one of them primarily is I can hear my inner voice. And, and it was how I was introduced to it through, through a life experience. And so, you know, that was became one of my primary channels. But my good friend, she says, I don't hear it. And I said, well, you don't need to. You feel your inner voice. It's not a voice. You sense it. You feel, you get these nudges, these, you know, you feel drawn to things. You feel repelled by things. That's your inner voice. It just doesn't have words on it. Absolutely. And that's just as valid as me getting words. Yeah. No, that's huge. And, you know, you, I think you talk about this in your book, right? About the different ways that people hear their intuition. And we've talked about the clairs and the different, I think we have, maybe we should do it again, but there are different ways that we hear. Why don't you talk about it? Cause I'm, I'm sure it's been talked about somewhere here, but it bears repeating. Well, you know, what I'd like to talk about in my book, we talk about six, I have a co-author um, and even how we wrote the book was a whole intuitive journey, but I won't take our time to tell that story, but it was really fun. But but we, through our conversations, we realized that because she was interviewing me and, in, you know, I'd been traveling the world teaching about intuition and, and truth testing. And I began through these conversations with her to see a pattern of, oh, oh, this happened. Oh, it's, it's this. And we called it a snapshot click. And I'll go through each of these. If it's okay, I'll just share them sure. really with your listeners. And then another one is collapsed time. Another one is urge, wonderment knowing and inspiration. So let me kind of give you a little I bit. I love of, these. Oh, so like this a, is all new and different and beautiful. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a snapshot click is a moment in time that stands out from the background. And I think the, the best example I have of this is Jack Hanfield. You know the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, right? I do. And we'll have all of these links in the show notes too, just in case you guys don't know and you want to, but go ahead. <laughs> Jack Hanfield, um, he and, and Mark Victor Hansen had been trying to make their first book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, a bestseller for a year or two. They had done everything, you know, that they knew to do. They kept envisioning. They had this huge vision for the company. And then one day he was on the way to a meeting. He stopped to buy like a little 7-Eleven to, to get something. And as he was walking up to pay for his, his item he had picked up, there was a National Enquirer that he walked by and it kind of jumped out at him, a national inquirer of all things, right? And he said it, it just stood out from the background and he just noticed it and he went on to his meeting and the next day he was at a conference and this woman walked up to him and she said, my name is so-and-so, I'm from the National Enquirer and I would like to interview you about your book. And he flashed back to that moment in the 7-Eleven and note, you couldn't forget that it stood out from all the other magazines or whatever. And so he said yes to the interview. It was that interview that made their book a bestseller overnight. So a snapshot click. So the click came when he met her the next day, right? He saw the snapshot in the 7-Eleven. The next day, the click came like, hmm, maybe I should pay attention. So sometimes your, your soul is saying, pay attention to this moment. It is significant. The click might come in an hour, a minute, 
a year from now. <laughs> we right. don't know when the click is coming, but that happened to me in high school. It was career day. A court reporter came to our algebra class to demonstrate court reporting, and I'd forgotten about it for 10 years. And then I was looking for my life calling, and I said to my soul, what do you want me to do? And I saw an image of that court reporter at high school. I hadn't thought about her for over 10, 13 years, something like that. And I thought I'm going to be a court reporter, but it was just my next step. But that my click came over a decade later. Right. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Isn't that a cool one? I love it. Yeah. Yes. Pay attention to those things. You know, sometimes it's something someone says or a phrase you've heard that just kind of stands out. It'll have significance and meaning for you later, whether it's this afternoon, you know, or some sometime in the future. So another one is collapsed time. In our book, we call it collapsed time and space. I've kind of rethought it since we published the book in 2008, but I, I think it's more about collapsed time because space is. I don't think you can collapse space. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, some, I don't know. <laughs> maybe some physicists will correct me on that. Yeah, not a physicist, married to one, but I try to stay oh, out of that. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, ask you. Yeah. Um, so, but what we do know is that in these moments, there are moments where time collapses, where there literally something happens where there is no time and you're totally present. There's pure awareness and things seem to go in slow motion. And there's pure awareness. And in those moments, we usually just know what to do or a miracle is taking place. Like the first time I ever remember this was when I was about to total my car. (laughs) You know, I was about to hit a school bus and everything just slowed down, although it happened in milliseconds, right? And it was as if I had time to make decisions to go this way or that way or what to do. And I ended up not hitting the bus because I intuitively made the right choice. But there was no time, and yet it wow. happened in seconds. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I could tell you other stories, but I think I've made my point, you know? Yeah. You you pay attention to those moments. They're really significant, right? We become more than just human. You know, I don't know about you, but so much of my life is, you know, my mind is busy, even though I'm doing intuitive work. My my busy mind is is running. I've, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Now I'm going to take a break and go do lunch. But in those kind of moments, there's no mind, but yet there's pure awareness of what to do. Right without the mind really deciding. Right. And I think when you lose the mind, you lose the time. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it comes from. That's a really good phrase, Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How'd you say that? When you lose the mind? When you, you lose the mind, you lose the time. They go together. Yeah. I should write that down. That's a good one. And the, the third one is an urge and not, and this is different from compulsion. You know, we can have compulsions to eat ice cream and do all kinds of things yeah. that are harmful for us. But this is a deep urge, a tug, a niggle to, you know, you feel drawn to go speak to this person, right? I, I, I'm looking at, at houses right now um, and, and I was going to go check out this neighborhood and there was another house that came on the market and I thought, well, I'll go by there on the way back. And I had this, this little niggle like, go there first, go there first. And so I went there first I turned the corner and there's the homeowner out front and she has a sign in her yard said coming soon because it wasn't officially on the market yet. Well, before you know it, we're talking and she's invited me in to see the house. Right. But if I'd come later, see if I, and then this is not, you know, a big thing in life, right? Sometimes our urges are really life or death. Sometimes they're really important. You need to pay attention to those. This wasn't, it was just fun and magical, right? Right. How do you tell the difference? Because that's such a good question. How do you tell the difference between those reactive urges? I mean, I I know the answer for me, but I want to hear what you think from those reactive urges from the nudges, because they're very different. And I think a lot of people get confused. Yeah. Well, with an urge for me, 
okay, I can only speak for myself. I think a lot of people might have the same experience. But for me, an urge is like, it's not coming from my head. It's a deep feeling and it feels different than a compulsion. Like I gotta have something, right? It's it's not that. It's a, I can't explain it. I don't know why, right? It just feels like I need to do this or that or not do this or that. And I don't really have a reason, you know, but if that compulsion and and to me, an urge comes deeper in my being and compulsion in for me is it's wrapped up with a really familiar energy and feeling of, you know, desire and got to have it or something horrible is going to happen or won't happen. And very, uh, there's a lot of mental activity behind it for me. And I've got all kinds of justifications for it. Let me tell you, I can, I can come up right for a compulsion, but an urge, I don't really know. The guys are giving me the example for a uh, compulsion is almost like an itch where you feel like you need to do it. Oh, good. I love that. To relieve something, right? You'll feel better, except everybody knows I have not to overshare, but I have psoriasis that itches. And I will tell you, scratching it does not help. It feels good for a few seconds, but it irritates the heck out of it. Right. And so I think that's a compulsion. It's like an itch. We need to scratch it. And like you said, it might be familiar because we might, we might have been in this loop a lot of times. Whereas when we have these intuitive urges or nudges, you know, they, they come without attachment. It's like, That's hey, right. you should try this. And sometimes I've had ones that were so overpowering. Usually I teach intuition is common still, and usually it is, but I've had nudges that were, you know, a little manic, a little loud, a little strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's always this sense of, even if it's saying you have to do this, there isn't that same attachment. There isn't like, it's not relieving something that's hurting in me. That's right. It's not scratching an itch. It's like, it can be very subtle. Usually they're very subtle. A few times they've been very strong, but it's always like without attachment. Well, that's an important distinction. It's not relieving something that's hurting within you. That's really good. You know, um, I'm from Texas and um, we just celebrated a year since our big snowmageddon or ice storm a year ago, right? Where over 250 people died. But six weeks before the ice storm last year now, so it was on December 31st of 2020, I was awakened uh, with an urge (laughs) It was a force um, that was so strong. That's why I'm thinking, because you said sometimes it can be really strong at, I don't know, wee hours of the morning. And there was a picture in my mental screen of a camping stove. I didn't even know what a camping stove looked like, but I knew what it was. It was black with yellow writing. And I had this urge, this force, like buy it. The power. and And what I'm about to say is there were no words. It was just an impression of the power grids going down, you're going to need this. And I had a vision of me being in my ice cold home with no heat. And so I got up, I don't know, it was like two or three or four o'clock in the morning. And I went to Amazon, typed in, you know, camping stoves and up came, the first one was black with yellow letters. And I went, this is so weird. I am buying a camping stove. I don't camp. I don't know anything about camping, but I knew I would regret it if I didn't. The urge was so strong. So I put it in my cart. Well, six weeks later came and I had no heat. It was almost freezing in my house for four days. And the way I stayed warm was I could heat my soup. I, I, I'd also had an urge to make soup and freeze it in individual bags the week before. I've never done that before. And I did it. And that's how I ate for four days. I put my little camping stove outside the door, heated my soup and would get back under the covers and the heat from that would keep me warm. That's how I survived. And I listened and I'm so glad I bought that $35. Yeah. So because it kept me, number one, I had never had an ounce of fear because I knew I was sweating under the, under the cover, right? I knew I would be okay. And I had nutrition and I had warmth, but that's, that's an urge that it, I don't know that it saved my life, but it sure kept me from being in fear. Yeah. You said a lot of things that I think are so important. The first thing is that you know, that story, I mean, that story is remarkable, but it also shows, you know, the randomness of it, right? Like a thought would be, you know, 
I want to get this from the guides because they said something so beautiful about your story. It it shows us the difference between when we use our intuition to navigate life or when we use our mind and our fear, mm-hmm. right? And it's you got everything that you needed to navigate that situation. You got it purely, cleanly, without fear. You listened to the nudge, which probably saved you a lot of distress. I too, I think if I woke up in the middle of the night and saw a camping stove, I would just buy the damn camping stove, (laughs) you know, because that's so random for me. Oftentimes those really random hits are the ones that I, I most follow. Yes. Cause like, I could not have made that up. My mom, I've never thought about that before in my life. So that that's gotta mean something. Yes. I hope the listeners will make note of the word random because intuition is usually random, right? Yeah. It really is. And you know what? I I must admit, I got up, you know, it's like two or three o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And I got up out of bed, turned the light on. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. My brain says, this is ridiculous. But there was such, I, I don't know how to describe it. There was a force within me that I've never felt before. Like a force, like you must, you will regret this. You must. Right. Yeah. And I do think our guidance or our soul, however you want to, you know, think about it, and it can be all of things together too, because there's just one thing at the end of the day, but we'll sometimes ramp it up to get our attention. I know, and I've talked about this many times on the show before my trip to Egypt in 2019, it was 2018. And uh, this little email came in my box of, hey, I'm going to Egypt on this trip, want to join me. And I knew in every cell of my body, I was going to Egypt or I should go to Egypt. And it was so completely out of my comfort zone that I thought, I, and I was like jet lagged. So I'd just gotten back from a trip to Greece the night before where I had wow. the vision that I would be going to Egypt next. So it was all crazy, but oh, wow. I know, but I was like manic. I was manic and my intuition is usually very still and calm, but this was so strong and so powerful because it it's so lined up. And mm-hmm. I did make that trip. It took me about a year to get myself in gear to go, but it, it completely changed my life. Wow. You know, and again, sometimes, you know, intuition can be like that. But again, it wasn't a thought that I had that I think I should go to Egypt because I never would have had that thought. <laughs> Right. Yeah. These things come and they're outside of our belief system. Sometimes they're outside of our comfort zone. Right. But, but they're intense enough to get our attention to say, don't miss this. This is in, this is in alignment with your life's path. This is important. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a remarkable story. And again, I think it speaks to the fact that when we are tapped into our intuition, it can save us so much grief, but also your mind would be, you know, our mind is constantly giving us all the things that could go wrong, right? And and probably people in Texas had a thousand worries all going through their brains up until that, you know, catastrophic event. And none of them predicted this was going to happen, right? Because brains right. don't do that. But when we're tapped into our intuition, it can often save us. And well, save is a strong word, but it can also, yeah, I'll go with that. It can also it can save, save us a us. lot of misery and grief, you know, because your intuition will show you. And and sometimes yeah. it doesn't because again, there's certain things on our path that we That's learn right. and we grow from. So if you went through that experience without a camping stove, you are still divinely guided and golden and wonderful and beautiful. And I'm sure you found your own way to navigate that situation. Well, you weren't supposed to know about a camping stove or you would have known about it. Exactly. Stove. And our intuition is that agreement to get what we get and not get upset mm-hmm. um, because, you know, that's how divine guidance works. But I also just love that distinction because again, we know we can think ourselves into a box trying to prevent anything that could go wrong, or we could just know that we're guided. That's right. Yeah. I've had people say, well, I didn't get a warning. And I said, well, then you didn't need a warning, you know, because you had something to learn from the experience you had. And believe me, there have been, been times I've asked for guidance and I didn't get guidance because I had something I was to learn. Right. Right. And probably didn't want to learn. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Oh, this one was, yeah, for sure. I didn't want to learn the lesson, but, but I was, it was a part of my life learning. It was a big life lesson for me. And I'm really grateful now that I had it. And I'm grateful I didn't get the guidance I thought I needed at the time. Yeah. I think that's, that's so beautifully put. I was trying to control reality, right? Yes. Yes. And again, when we try to use our intuition or guidance or minds or anything to control life, we've missed the mark a little bit. 
we've missed the mark a little bit because you are life and you are part of life. And so I always think about it as flowing with life, as navigating life, as showing up when life is happening for us. Yes. That's how we want to use our, our inner compass. That's right. That That's exactly right. And you know, shall I go on to the other three? Oh, there's more. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, I just, I didn't want to go too far. Well, you've already spoke to one. It was about your, your trip to, was it Egypt or Greece? Egypt. Greece was also okay. intuitively guided. A friend took this trip and I knew I was going to take it too, but Greece was not out of my comfort zone. So that was an easy one. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Well, the, the other one, it's very familiar and most people know this one. It's called what we call knowing. You just know, but you don't know how you know. You just know something. Right. And you can't shake it. <laughs> you can ignore it. You can try to push it away, but it will keep coming back. And you knew, even though it was out of your comfort zone, you knew you had to go to Egypt. Yep. So knowing, and we know a lot of things. And you know, and I think we need to make a distinction here too. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak about this articulately. <laughs> Maybe you can help me. But, you know, there's things we think we know, and that's that kind of intellectual egoic personality. I know, I know, I know. So, you know, I I can think I know a lot of things about a lot of people, right? And then I get to know them. I don't really know anything. That's my thinking mind. This knowing is, again, can be random or it just comes from a deep place within you. How would you describe that knowing you had about Egypt? That was atypical for me again, because it was really like something external just telling me, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. So it was not typical of how I've experienced my intuition. It it happens sometimes where I just feel like an external force, but a loving one is saying like, look here, go here, do this now. And it's always been right when I listen to it. For Mm -hmm. me, my knowing is just a deep full body sense of this is right. This is true. Mm -hmm. You know, the the story that I, I give a lot and I've probably given it on the show before is when I was pregnant with my daughter, I knew she was a girl. I just knew. It wasn't a thought that I had. It wasn't a wish that I had. I kind of wanted a boy first for some random reason, but I knew it was a girl and and I just knew it in my bones. And sure enough, my first one was of the female sex. Yeah. And my knowing is real strong for me as well. That's probably my primary way of getting information. Yeah, I think it is for a lot of people you know, is, is the knowing we, we yeah. just, just know I followed a knowing and it, it was right. I was I been in business for about six months and what that I'd gone to dinner with a friend the night before, and I'd never had a psychic reading and she was talking about this psychic and, and I went, Oh, that sounds fun. And the next day a client canceled and I called up the woman. I thought, I wonder if she can see me. She said, I just had an opening and I just popped right over to see her. And she gave me this amazing reading about my life and my future. And she said, before you left, There is a doctor that I'm going to send to you. He needs you. And she sent him to me and he, my business, I'd only been in business like three or four months or whatever. That man single-handedly built my business for me without realizing it. He came to me as a client, had profound sessions and started introducing me to other doctors and they would send me people. And that's how my business was established. I didn't, you know, it was all through a knowing, like I knew I needed to call her right then. I knew I needed to go. And even when I left the reading, I thought this reading wasn't really why I was here. Over the years, I saw why I really went. It was the hundreds or thousands of people I was going to get to help as a result of that and help change their lives. And that's a knowing. So, you know, knowings can come to better your life. Knowing can come, you know, to save your life. They they can come for any purpose, but you can't shake them off. If you do, it's not going to be happy, (laughs) you know? So another one is um, inspiration. This is another one. It's a very common one where we feel inspired. And you know, when you feel inspired, there's an energy to act, right? There's an energy to move, to do that thing you're inspired about. And inspiration doesn't come from the brain. It comes from the soul. It comes from spirit. And you're given the energy to do or create or, or whatever that thing you're inspired about to make it happen, to live into it. And you'll never regret something that you do by inspiration. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. And I think you know what I love about all these things that you're sharing? And, and we have to wrap up soon. So I'm oh. so sad, but I want to get to all of them because there's such beautiful ways of understanding You know how we connect with our soul. Yes. And inspiration is a huge one because that is 
that is the divine working through you and you agreeing to work with it. Yes, absolutely. You know, that's good. It's the agreement. Like it shows up. There's divine here saying, here, I'm here. There's this energy. Now, will I choose to align with it? Will I agree with its direction it's given me in this moment? Yeah. And so many people, again, that's one we're taught not to trust mm-hmm. um, unless we're creative. Some creatives, I think, are taught to, to listen to that one or to nurture it. But a lot of other people aren't taught to listen to the inspiration. And it's so powerful. And it's also those times too, when you feel inspired, it, it feels so wonderful to take that action. It feels so good and so right. Yeah, you're right. We're not taught, many of us are not. I was taught, think, use your head first. Don't yeah. get too excited. Yeah. Think before you act, right? And I, I've talked myself out of so many inspirations until I learned this. So the other one is wondering or wonderment. And there are two types. There's deliberate wondering and there is spontaneous wondering. And spontaneous wondering is where you just, um, one day I was in my kitchen and I thought, I, I opened, I'd just been to the grocery store and bought tomatoes and and they were going rotten in two days. And I remember having these, I wonder why these things rot in two days. And all of a sudden I have this urge, there's another one, to turn on the television. And there was the, this cook on and he said, never, I'm literally, this all happened in seconds, never ever put your tomatoes in your refrigerator with your <laughs> apples because apples emit a gas that decompose your tomatoes. And I went, oh my God, I just got an answer. And I begin to notice anytime I did a spontaneous wondering, I was asking the universe for an answer, but I wasn't going to go try to find it. That's where the magic occurs. It's a spontaneous wondering that the universe already has an answer for you. Now, you can use it deliberately. So let's say you've got a problem or a a, a question you don't have an answer for, you know, a solution. You don't know what the solution is. What you can do is you can just wonder. I wonder what the solution is. I wonder what the answer is. Go about your way. Let it go detach, and then the answer can come to you. Instead of worrying about it, you wonder about it. I wonder what the answer is. I wonder how it's going to come to me. That is so beautiful and such a gorgeous way of putting it. And I'm in, I'm in love with that description because it's it's so, because what a lot of us do is we're like, please give me an answer. I need an answer. Give me an answer this way. Intuition, why aren't you giving me an answer? You know, yes. and that wondering is that it's playful, it's free, and it's without attachment, right? Yes. It's curiosity. And I believe curiosity is one of those soul traits. It's a soul trait. It's one of the traits that actually brought us to have the experience of being a human that we're having right now. Yes. Yes, Victoria. I love it. I love it. So I love that wondering. And I think a lot of people are going to take a lot away from, from that verbiage and that way of thinking about it. And it's it's beautiful. And I love too how you make that distinction between spontaneous wondering, which I think is is a little bit akin to a nudge mm-hmm. Yes. of, you know, this thing's going on here. Oh, mm-hmm. wonder about it. Okay, get your answer. Versus mm-hmm. when we deliberately wonder it's again it's it's putting that question out there and then letting it go that's right that's right with no need to go google it or anything unless you have an urge to you know like a trait to google it right but that's right let it go detach that's how you'll get your it can come back when you detach the answer absolutely and that cooperation with that intuition is always has to have that element of surrender and letting go yes Oh my God, this has been so much fun. I wish we could talk longer. Maybe we'll have to talk again. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And this is going to be so helpful. We will have the link to LaRue's book in the show notes. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. I know that I'm going to check that out. LaRue, I ask everybody on the show, we've kind of touched on it, but I'm going to ask you again, how do you experience your intuition? I experience it in all of those ways I've just spoken, but primarily primarily, let me just, that's a great question because I think of it in all of that. Well, here's what I know. My intuition is experienced as peace. I will know it's intuition or I do know it's intuition because there is a quiet peace inside of me. That's beautiful. I love that. And I can relate to that as well. I love the question. Thank you. I love the answer. Thank you. All right. So LaRue, if 
people want to find you, work with you, how do they do that? And again, we'll have all this written as well, but I know some people, you know, are driving cars or riding bikes or don't sure. actually don't ride a bike and listen to a podcast. That's a bad idea. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> going for a walk, cooking dinner, anyway, that they may right. not see the show notes. So, so can you tell people how to find you? Absolutely. It's LaRueEppler.com. I'll spell that. It's L-A-R-U-E. E-P-P-L-E-R, LaRueEppler.com. Beautiful. And I suppose they can find out how to work with you, all about you, how to find your books, all in that spot. It's all there. Great. And is there any other closing thought that you'd like to share with listeners before we uh, sign off? Yes. You know, I think we're in an interesting time, um, humanity is. And I think that learning to listen and trust our intuition is more important now than ever. I agree with that 1 million percent. LaRue, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. So grateful that we got connected and that we got to have this awesome conversation and so grateful for all of you listeners for giving me the opportunity to have these awesome conversations because uh, this is always just such a joy and so my happy place. And I hope it is yours as well. And thank you everyone for tuning in and namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.